shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus, for being there in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our week. We worship you. Come on, don't stop there. He's worth more than that. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise, Lord. Worthy is the name of the Lord. Welcome to Cross Faith Church. Do me a favor. Turn around and tell somebody that you are happy to see them in the house of the Lord this morning. Find five people. Don't take two seconds. Find somebody you don't know. Somebody you always skip on Sunday and tell them good morning, happy Sunday. Y'all always do that faster than when I'm ready. I know y'all talk more than that. I'm here before and after church. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Welcome to Cross Faith Church. Welcome to church. Who cares what the name of it is? I'm happy you at church this morning. I love spending some time with Jesus. I do want to, to jump in for a second with what Mike said, just to copy a little bit. We do have Father's Day coming up, and for Father's Day, uh, we, today, by the way, is Memorial Day. This is the weekend we would normally celebrate Memorial Day. Normally, we do something for Memorial Day weekend, but we are sinking everything into Father's Day. But I do want to take the time. I'm prior military for most of you, most of you here that know. If you have lost someone in a service connection, would you please raise your hand? If somebody in your family has been lost from a service connection, we have several of them here. Prior military, raise your hand. Anybody here prior service members? We have several, I know, prior service members here also. Hey, I want to say this. As a country, first of all, I found great honor. I find great honor in that we live in a country that has freedoms and we have the ability to recognize those who have been lost before us. As a prior service member, I have lost friends. I have lost one very, very close friend to war. I understand what it is, and I do appreciate. I don't get, be honest with you, how we barbecue because of Memorial Day. I think it's just an American thing because we all like to eat. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I do want to say to everybody watching online and to those that are here also, happy Memorial Day. And we are a church that is thankful for the freedoms that are given in this country. And we still believe that this is a country that needs God and it should be led by God. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 1? And I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. If you charge your Bible up. Y'all ready? Say, come on with it. If you need a minute, say, hold up. I didn't hear any hold ups. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, 
is dead. Look at your neighbor and say, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Somebody say amen. As I was with Moses, so will I be. So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you, though you don't think you can, Though, though you have reservations, though, though you don't know if God will, he said, though you will lead, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He said, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law. Always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? And he says it again, be strong and courageous. It's like he's trying to make a point here. He didn't say it three times. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. Y'all know the word's good all by itself. I could just dismiss right there and say, God bless y'all. Have a wonderful day. As long as y'all listen to that first portion and nine verses. But we're not done yet. This is the last in the series that's been made for more. I want to tell y'all something. I don't know if y'all have enjoyed it, but I've went back and listened to myself and I enjoyed it. <laughs> I have enjoyed this made for more series. And we're going to finish it up this week with made for more. Look at somebody that you ain't looked at yet. Say made to move. <laughs> Do you know you're made to move? <laughs> made to move. You were created to move. That's what you was created for. You was created to move. I believe that there, more and more, I believe more and more there are people in the United States of America and even in Cross Faith Church that are stuck. But I believe that God had an intention and a plan and that was for us to move on from past relationships. Come on, somebody. We have to move on whenever we lose somebody because I know there's people here who have lost somebody, even dead, that has passed on. And there's, there's a time and a place that we've got to recognize that it's a time to move. Look at your neighbor and say, move on. Move on. We're going to talk this morning about move. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I pray, dear Lord Jesus, for your anointing first, God, this morning. As I open my mouth and speak, I pray, dear God, that you would speak through me, God. Let me just be a vessel today, God. I pray, Lord, that somebody will leave differently than the way that they came. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Can y'all give the Lord another hand clap of praise? Act like you're Pentecostal for just a minute and clap your hands unto the Lord. You're worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, has anybody here ever lost something and finally got to the point where you decided you'd cried enough? I, I, I know what it's like to, to get to a point to where you're just like, I'm tired of being upset. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of, of regret. I'm tired of worry. I've done enough. I, I'm, I'm ready to move on. And I believe that biblically the Bible shows us where that we are built and made to move. Now, in case y'all don't know, my house... Our literal home is a place of movement. I got lots of kids. They move around a lot. 
a whole lot. This week we had a placement visit. It was supposed to, I think it's the last one, I believe. We had the state there and, and Our Lady, what do they call those people? I don't know. Social workers. I want to call them the ad litem or whatever it is. I don't know what they, but it's supposed to be the last one. And we had two of them come in at the same time. I think it was Monday or Tuesday night. I don't remember. But they came in at 5 o'clock and they stayed till like 8, 8.30. Like I had to cook them supper because they stayed so long. If you're watching online, don't stay at people's houses that long. Come show up and leave. Okay. But anyway, so that, that, but these people show up and they're, they're, they're talking to us and the, the first lady, she's very child and kid oriented and she's talking to the girls and all the, the other lady looks at me and she goes, how do you handle the chaos? <laughs> I think she felt sorry. She's like, how do you handle the chaos? Because it's constant, like noise and things are moving and something being thrown and somebody's crying and somebody took a toy and somebody's got a poop. It, y'all, y'all, parents, y'all know, like it never stops. If you're, if, you're, if you're thinking about having kids, okay, come over to my house. It's the world's best birth control. You, you, you'll decide immediately whether or not you really want to have children. But she, she said, how do you handle the chaos? And so I asked my wife, I said, how do we handle the chaos? <laughs> I'm not for sure. I just live in it, you know. <laughs> I asked her, I said, how do we handle the chaos? And Miranda answered because she's like anointed. She says, she says, first of all, she said, it's in the perspective. She said, we handle the chaos through perspective. She said, we don't allow our emotions to have a negative perspective. Now, the other night, Gemma was watching a show, Brain, Brain Child. I'd never seen it before. Generally speaking, it's cocoa melon or something else that makes you want to see the Lord quicker. But they were watching this thing called Brain Child, and on Brainchild, they were talking about emotions. I was like, well, I need to listen in. <laughs> Not for them, but for me. So I'm, I'm watching this thing on emotions, and, and what they did was they took food, first of all, that was food that the kids really liked, like pizza, you know, and they rolled it up, and they ground it up, and they put black dye in it, and they made it into a syndrilical, uh, 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 uh shape and put it on a piece of lettuce and served it to the kids. And I remember, forget this one little girl, she took a fork and she put it in her mouth and she literally gagged. She went, Ugh! and she spit it back out on the plate. And then they brought them actual pizza. And man, them kids ate it like it was, and, and the guys, the lady said, she said, there's nothing different in the flavor between one to the next. She said, but we have an emotional attachment to the presentation of something. And then they took the kids and they did a little study. They put them in a room and they put this goofy video up off of YouTube and they told the kids, they said, nobody laugh. And the video was funny. And they all sit there and one of them kind of chuckles a little bit. They pull them all back out the room. They take another group. They bring them in and they tell one of them, they said, when it gets to the center, I want you to just bust out laughing. Told them all not to laugh, but they told one guy, I want you to bust out laughing like it's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. And he did. And you know what happened? Everybody started laughing. And they said, well, that video was funny, so maybe we should change it. So they put a Yuletide video up. Y'all, y'all know during Christmas time, if you don't have a fireplace, they got the one you can play. It's just like a fire. It's crackling, you know, because we're weird in today's world that we want to watch it on TV. But anyway, they put this up there, and there's nothing funny about it. And they told them, don't laugh the first time. Nobody laughs. They all look around like, this is stupid. Why are we here? And then they bring another group in, and they told two of them, they said, do me a favor. They said, after a couple minutes, we just want you to die laughing like that's the funniest video you've ever seen. And they did. They get in there. St- next thing you know, there is a whole pile of kids in there just about crying, laughing over a log on fire. 
And the lady came back in. She said, see, there's something else about your emotions. She said that your emotions can be affected by the other people who are around you. So two things, number one, the presentation of something and then the connection to someone can affect your emotions. So I asked Gemma at the very end the next day, I said, Gemma, I said, what did you get out of that video? What did that mean to you? And in the end, her description was simply this, that we don't have control of our emotions and we can control our emotions. You see, it seems weird that a pastor would walk up and begin talking about your emotions in church. Like, Pastor, you, well, you going to read the Bible? Like, where are, you, where are you going with this? But let me tell you something. Your viewpoint on the capital C church and your viewpoint about who God is is very closely tied to your emotions. This has been a month of emotional and mental health. And being a pastor who talks quite often, as you all know, about mental health, I have not touched on it because I was in a series, and I figure if you figure out that you're made for more, that you'll be able to get over a lot of emotional problems. Come on, somebody. It wasn't always this way. It wasn't always this way for me that I had the ability to look in perspective of things that were going on in my life and to be able to control the emotions connected to them. You see, whenever our kids are running around acting crazy and stupid, my wife and I made the decision that we would not allow the situations to affect our attitude. Because there's times that my kids, I love them. I live on the second floor, and I stand next to the window, and I daydream. <laughs> DCF, muted at this point. But let's be honest. Y'all all raise kids. There's times you're like, good Lord Jesus, why did I do this to myself? So how do we differentiate? It's because my emotions are not tied to your emotions. Did you know that? You can come up to me with the worst thing in the world, and I'll look at you, and I'll talk to you, but when you walk out, I ain't carrying it to my house. It's a great lesson for some of y'all. Men, you shouldn't bring work home. Ladies, you shouldn't bring the gossip that's happened on your Facebook to your husband. Trust me, he don't care. <laughs> come on, somebody. But I like, I like old things. We have a tie to our, to our old paths. We have a tie to the people who, who raised us and taught us how to handle things emotionally. In case you don't know it, chances are about 90% you handle things emotionally the same way that your parents did. And I like, I, like, I like old things. I like old ways. I still drive a 1982 CJ7. Come on, somebody. Somebody in this building got some special time with it this week. Thank you so very much for working on my CJ this week. There's one thing about driving an old car, and it's this. If you drive an old car, you'll work on an old car. If not, you'll have a really good friend that'll work on your car. Because if not, you're going to be like Jesus and walk. But I, I, I love my old, my old CJ. Now, it hadn't had AC for a while, and thank God he got it working this week. Come on, y'all give him a hand clap just for me. But there is something about old I love old cars. In, in, in high school, I drove a 1963 Mercury Comet. After that, I drove a 1971 Plymouth Valiant with a 318 in it. The air conditioner did not work. My sister hated it. She hated driving that car. I absolutely adored that car. My dad had a Dodge Dart Swinger. Y'all remember some of y'all older folks had to roll back roof. All the new younger kids, forget it. Might as well be talking about VHS tapes right now. Y'all got no clue what we're talking about. But, but, but I, I love old cars. And something about me you should know, I would rather ride with no AC and a bad front end and an old car than I would in a new car. It's just the way I'm built. 
I'm going to tell you something else about it. One of my main reasons for liking to drive old cars, because I can work on an old car. You ever pop the hood on a 2022 anything? You can't put a pixie stick inside that joker anywhere. I was looking the other day at a guy. He was changing a starter, and it had, the block had to come in, too. Literally, they had to pull the heads off, pull the block into it to get to the starter. I don't know who the engineer is, but I think he's going to have a hard time making heaven his home. <laughs> that was the cruelest thing I've ever seen in my I like old cars because I know how to work on old cars. I don't even know how to work on fuel injection. I can rebuild a carburetor, two-barrel, four-barrel, holly. Give me whatever. I don't want a quadra junk. Come on, somebody. Any men here ever worked on carburetors? I don't want to mess with a quadra jet, but I will mess, I will mess with a Holly. I'll mess with a Weber. I, I like old cars because I can work on old cars. Some of the reason why some of you ladies are married to old men. Come on, some, I'm just, that was, <laughs> keep moving. That was, that was just a, I can work on an 82 CJ7. Truth is, I'd rather work on something that breaks down in the summer that's cold in the winter. and It'll get me there at, half the speed that a normal car would. And the reason being is I would rather deal with the issues than go through the pain of moving on. I don't want to learn the new stuff. I'm 41 years old, and I feel like I'm already done with cars. I don't want to move on. The dichotomy that I have laid out this morning is the problem with the church today. We love the format in which that God has moved more than the function of who he is. We love the format of what church should look like and what church should be like more than what we really appreciate the function of who he is biblically. The format years ago was some simple things. It was a, a suit and tie. The format was a songbook. It said on the front of it in gold lettering, it was red and had some speckles because I remember we had a red one and we had a brown one. Come on, somebody. Sing unto the Lord right across the front. The format was, was keeping all the lights on and not making anything, making anything a little bit different or out of the normal. It, it, the format was a nice, quiet, symbiotic worship with a prophetic word that was so far-reaching that we don't feel responsible for never becoming it. I'm going to say that one more time. The format was a symbiotic worship with a prophetic word that was so far-reaching that we didn't feel responsible for never becoming it. There was a format of which that we would preach, that the pastor would get so deep and he would go so far into it that we would be able to disengage from it and say, well, I could never be that person, so therefore I'm just going to worship God. It's the reason why I preach the way I do today is because I believe that God wants to be in relationship with you, not for you to have some hypothetical relationship with church and the word that says, I can't be that person. Because God didn't die on a cross so that you say, I can't. But God died on a cross because he built you as a person who could move into relationship with him. We live in a world today that has fallen in love with format instead of holding on to the function. What is function? The function of the church are the things that cannot and will not change. What is the function of the church? It's the things that cannot and will not change. The function of the church is simply John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The function of the church is Matthew 28.19. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The function of the church is Jeremiah 29.11. He says, For I know the thoughts that I have, and I think towards you, saith the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expectation 
perfected in. The function of the church is Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 4 where he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The function of the church is Acts 2.38 whenever he said, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I love the function of the Word of God. You can change the format in whatever you want. You can put me on Twitter. You can put me on YouTube. You can put me in the metaverse. I don't care where you're at. It's the function that matters, not the format. So there's one little skinny preacher that I've stood in Africa and I've preached in tents. I've stood in Philippines, the Philippines and preached to kids. I've preached to, to people that were AIDS victims. I've preached to people that were completely eaten up with diseases that were eating them alive. I've preached online. I've preached to cameras where, where nobody could see me, and I don't think they were watching me half the time. I, I, I don't mind preaching the Word of God no matter how the world changes. Let me tell you why. Because I'm in love with the function of the Word and not the format of the world around us. See, the church today wants to sit down and lay down and give up and walk away and think that we can't make it to the next because somehow or another the format changed. We think the format changed. Church don't look like what it used to, so all of a sudden you lay down. Let me tell you something. The Bible has not changed. Who Jesus is has not changed. His intention and his plan for your life has not gone away. God says, look, I called you. I created you. No matter what the world does, you still have a plan. I still have a plan. And you still have a job to do. It's not the format. It's the function of his word. The same guy standing in front of you is the same one who's preached in a cut in Cameroon, West Africa, had a naked guy. I kid you not, walk in, sit down in the front row, had dogs come crawl up around my feet while I was preaching the word. And I looked at it and I said, I don't care if it's here or under lights with haze in the background. The word of God does not change and I am called to preach the word. In case you don't know it, it's not just me, but you are called to spread the gospel. No matter what the format is, whether you are locked up, whether you're free, no matter whether you're at home or you're at work, whether you're online, whether you're on the phone, God has called you to do his will and it is to spread the gospel and his word. The church has gotten to a place where it seems to be fearful because the format has changed. It doesn't match the way it used to and we quite often make the comment, this is such a messed up world and it is. This is a very messed up world that we live in. We, we pander to emotion so heavily. We pander to emotion and to, and to the fog of the world going around. And we pander to the mentality of the person next to us and automatically call it truth. We have pandered this to the point that we say that they would not accept Jesus. They would not accept the gospel as what it is because they have made up in their mind. Let me tell you something. That gospel that you are speaking, the truth that you have within sight of you, came from a man who created that person standing in front of you. I went down to the beach yesterday. My wife and I did not realize what this weekend was. I would not have drugged my daughters. But I'm going to tell you this. Gemma made a comment. She said, Papa. I said, yes. She said, why are there so many fanny packs? <laughs> I said, baby, we got to get off of this place. We turned around. It took me an hour and a half, and I saw things that I don't ever want to see again. Come on, somebody. I told Miranda. I said, you know what? I don't want to come down here and hand out chick tracks. I want to come down here and build a booth that's on mental health. Come on, church. 
Do you know that as we went around that I started recognizing something? They all look the same. You ever, you ever recognize that? It all looked the same. From one to the next, from one person, one man to the next, one female to the next, they all looked the same. And the first thing that I recognized is that they all had a relationship with one thing. It wasn't their sexuality. They had a relationship with rejection. Did you know that rejection will push you to places that you thought you would never go? There's nothing like society looking at you and telling you you're not enough. There's nothing like the people that you love in your own church saying, oh, you never can. Rejection will push you to a place that you thought that you would never go. It'll make you do things that you thought you never would. And Miranda made this comment. She said, I just want to hand out a card that says, after this weekend, you're going to go home and you're still going to fight the same demons that you fought before you got here. There's a uniform to it. They look the same. They're, they're looking for a group of people who will accept them and say, you're okay. We love you just the way you are. You know, if the church had ever gotten to a place to where the church could look at them and tell you, I love you like God loves you because he created you and I'm your brother and sister. That we wouldn't be dealing with the crowds and the people and the things that we have going on right now. I'm not, say, I'm not saying that you have to accept the lifestyle. But I am telling you that you were given two commandments, to love God and to love people. You're not the judge. God is. Come on, somebody. If you got a problem with it, if you got a problem with it, you open your mouth and you got to say something, I'll give you one simple instruction. And there ain't no kids in the room, so I'll say it. Shut up. If you can't keep, you can't say something nice. Don't say nothing at all. That's what I'm talking about. Moving on into the word. God often changed the format without changing the function. In the text we read today, this is a place where God was changing the function. God was changing the function. Joshua chapter 1 verse 2, he made this statement. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. I read it and I thought to myself, duh. He'd been dead for a month. Did y'all know that? He'd been dead for a month. Moses, your servant, had been dead for 30 days. But he had to tell them, Moses, my servant, is dead because we are disconnected by time whenever we read that scripture it may not hit us like it did the people and the Israelites of that day it did not mean the same thing to me whenever I read it I thought a biblical figure in the Bible has died moving on there was no emotional connection I had no emotional connection Chelsea to, to, to that scripture whenever I read it it was just somebody who had died Then, as I began to read and understand a little bit deeper. You see, we have the luxury of time past. We have the luxury of time past so that it doesn't hit us the same way. I understand what it is, though, to lose someone that I may not have been personally connected to that had an effect on me. Some of y'all here remember Michael Jackson. Y'all remember Michael Jackson? And I just happened to find this picture. This is what I used. <laughs> Michael Jackson, I could tell you exactly where I was standing when they told me he died. Though it be an overdose, though it be a man as far as I know who did not know God in the way that I know him, it had an effect on me. I could bring you to the exact place, put my feet in the same spot whenever I heard that Princess Diana had been killed in a car wreck. I was standing in DeRitter, Louisiana, actually in the front of our church when a young lady walked in and she said, did you know that Princess Diana was killed last night in a car wreck? I could bring you to the exact place where I was whenever 9-11 happened. 
I remember where I was standing. Actually, I was laying. I rolled over and turned on the radio. And I remember listening to the radio, and I thought it was a fake show. And I remember jumping up and running to work because I didn't have a TV in my home. And I walked into the very back of the Home Depot in the, in the, in the rest area, and I, I turned on the TV, and I watched as the second plane hit the tower. I remember it. Remember when Chadwick Bossman, for some of you may and may not know, the back planter. I remember when I found out that he had been killed. I remember when Kobe Bryant got killed in a, in a helicopter accident, being a guy who has followed sports. These were people who had greatness within them. Men who had greatness, but I was not personally connected to. When greatness dies, it has an impact on the world. When greatness leaves, it leaves a hole, though you may not be personally connected to it. And I want to say something this morning. If you were here this morning and you have ever fought or you may be fighting thoughts of suicide, let me tell you something. You do not know the people that have watched you and the people that look at the greatness and have seen the greatness inside of you. You don't realize the people that love you and that want to hold on to you and people that look at you and say there's greatness within you. You may feel like you're all alone, but let me tell you something. There is somebody and there is a group of people out there who love you. And if no one else, I want to tell you this, this guy right here loves you. This is a place and this is the place where the people of Israel are standing. They have lost a man who had greatness within him. They've lost a man who was great, and he's gone. When you hear the news of the death of Moses, it's just a text, but to the people of Israel, they were devastated. They were devastated. You see, this wasn't just any man, but this was, this was the man who had told Pharaoh, the frogs are coming. This was the man that told, he told him, he said, the river's going to turn to blood. This is the man who picked up, he picked up a snake and it turned into a stick. This is the man who had walked to the edge of the Red Sea being chased by a man who was supposed to be his liberator. And God asked him, he said, what's in your hand? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This is a man who stretched out that stick and those people behind him were able to walk across, the Bible says, on dry ground. This was not just any man, but this was the man. The other people and the other prophets before him had heard from God in visions and in dreams. But, but God says, Moses, with you, I want to talk to you face to face. This was greatness. This was greatness that was gone. And there was a hole that was left. This Moses is dead. Moses, he tells them, is dead. Now we have a group of people who are at the bottom and they are crying and I don't think it was just greatness that was gone, but regret for how they treated him when he was alive. I believe that there was regret because if you think about it, they're upset and they're crying over the death of Moses. But at the same time, if you look at biblical history, they did not believe Moses so many times. You've led us all the way here so that we can die. You've led us all the way to the edge and, and now we're going to drown. You've led us to a place of death and, and dysfunction. Moses is dead. I find it funny that people will cry over someone who was gone, but they were complaining about the leadership when they were there. You always knew how they should have done their job. 
Can I, can I be a pastor for a minute and talk about other pastors, including the one before me? I'm, y'all ready for this? I'm just going to be honest for a minute. We talk about people, we talk about people and how they should have. Well, if he would have done this, if they would have done that, if they should have, would have, could have. You know what I pray? I pray God calls you to be a pastor. I pray that you get to see the stuff that comes across our desk for a little while and see how you handle it. Y'all know, y'all know, what, y'all know what a couch quarterback is? Come here, boy. Stand up here for me for just a second. We got tiny. I'm kidding. We don't. He plays sports. What sport do you play? I play football. I play football. <laughs> I mean, did anybody here expect him to say soccer? <laughs> Let's be honest. I, I, I get a kick out of it. We got guys, we sit on the couch, and I, I love LSU. Come on, somebody. I tried. <laughs> tries. Anybody, anybody, okay? I'm an LSU Saints fan. Because I don't think the Holy Ghost is with Alabama. But that's okay because they were traitors with a coach. And I say that every single time I get a chance and an opportunity because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But we get, we, you know, I, I get to watch a football with guys. And they get to shouting at the quarterback. What in the world are you doing? Why are you paying attention? Let me tell y'all something. If this guy right here was running a 410 and coming at you full speed with his head down, let's see what kind of decision you make. Y'all give him a hand. Life can come at you differently whenever you're in the game. So my prayer is simply this. Whenever you want to grab and complain and try to figure out why they did this, I pray that God puts you in the game. And whenever a 410-pound devil is coming at you, see how you react and what you do. Tell you something. You're called to move. You're called to move. We are called to move. To move. In all of this, God lets them cry. Come on back to the instruments. I'm not going to preach long this morning. God lets them cry for 30 days. And then he tells them, Moses is dead. Look at your neighbor and say, he's dead. Look at your other neighbor and say, he's dead. It seems to be a common sense statement. The people, though, they had to learn a very valuable lesson. And it's simply this, that your mourning cannot stop you from moving. Pastor, you've been here for a year and a half. Why are you preaching this now? Because God has laid it on my heart this week. Let me tell you something. It's not just in this church, and I'm not just talking about from one pastor to the next, but I'm talking about in your personal life. I believe there's some people here that you've had relational issues, and you've sat down, said, I can never love again. Nobody can ever love me again. You've sat in mourning for all of these years, and let me tell you something. You can mourn and move at the same time. You can mourn and move at the same time. I believe there's people here that, that, that God called you to start a business and you tried and it failed. And now whenever you have the ability and the knowledge of the failure and you can make yourself better, you say, I can't. Let me tell you something. You can mourn and move at the same time. There's some of you here, you've got a past. And now you know everybody knows. There's no hiding Share a little personal something about me. Most of y'all here know. Some of y'all are new. You don't. I'm not a man of one wife. 
People ask me, how long you been married? I said, about 24 years. So it's too much love for one woman. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. <laughs> I've been divorced. From that, I have two older children, Jude and Jaden, by the way. I'm asking for every person in this building to please pray for my two older children. They need God right now. I don't want to share details right now. I can't without crying like a baby. Pray for my two older kids. I have an ex-wife that we get along about like holding water. Are we supposed to laugh at that or not? I'm sorry, Christine, in case you're watching. I'm sorry. We really do. We love you. But whenever God began to speak to me about preaching, that was the first thing I said. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some suspite in it, Jesus. I got a past. My past includes alcohol, drugs, crazy people, divorce. I get people that cuss me out on my Because I didn't like the way that I'd seen pastors in my past. Because it was very, how are you doing? God bless you. It's so good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. We're so happy. How, are you? how is your family doing? Oh, that is so wonderful. I was like, God, I'm not that guy. Look at people and be like, how you, how you been, man? Come on, be honest with me. The week was crap. I don't, I don't want to carry on a relationship. God, I, I, I'm not that person. I don't fit. This message today is the realization that I had in my life. I've got a past. I've got things that I've been through. i got things that I fight every day. I can promise you by tonight, there's something the pastor will have to fight over his past. But you know what? I can mourn and move at the same time. God did not call me to sit and look at what happened. God did not call me to say, you know what, this took place and, and I screwed it all up. I don't care who screwed it up. At the end of the day, God's word has not changed. Matthew 28, 19, John 3, 16, Acts 2, 38, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. The word of God has not changed and I still have a responsibility to it to share his word. And that's the reason why I show up every Sunday morning and I say, you know what, my week may not have been perfect, but I know a perfect God. I know somebody who loves me no matter matter what I've been through and I was made for more and I was made to move and even though my past may be dragging me backwards I'm still going to walk forward because I got strength in a man called Jesus who gave me a word and a truth that does not ever end it'll never go away let's all stand mourning cannot stop you from moving if you stay stuck in sorrow you will not move into the promise that God has for you. You are made to move. 
Some people, they can't explain why they feel this way. Y'all remember that? Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time Y'all remember that song? Maybe it was just our church. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Problem was, it was only good enough for us. We became so religious that we isolated ourselves from the people who actually needed God. You do not accept that seasons are over. Doors are closed. You know, we always talk about God opening a door. God, you're going to open a door. But you know, you got to accept the doors are closed too. The season's over. That man that I was, the, the person that I was is gone. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. If you can't accept it, then you're going to have a very difficult time moving into the promise that God has for you. Let me tell you something. God has a promise for you. He has an intent and a plan for your life. I believe that there are people here today who don't even, didn't really understand why you fought with it for so long. I don't know why it just don't feel right. Anybody other than me ever made that statement? Just don't feel right. I can't, I just don't feel right. I'll tell you what it is, you're in mourning. You're mourning, but you're mourning the comfort of your past. You're mourning the comfort of what it was. God's moved on. His word has not changed. It's the same, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Love him, not the way and the format of the function the way that it looks around you. The format of truth has never changed. It's still truth. It's still your calling. Acts 238 is not change. It's still the truth. It's still your path to salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity that we have together. Thank you, dear God, for the rights in this country. God, I know that there are people in this house right now there are people in this house right now that have mourned their past. There are people in this house right now that have mourned what has happened, the things that have taken place. They have mourned, they have fought with the relationship and feeling unloved. They have mourned, God, the change. I pray, dear God, that they would see you and realize that you have not changed and they would get up and walk forward into whatever path that you would that you would choose god that they would be used of you god and not sit around asking why because god you are god you created me you created us we are the church and we want to do your will i pray dear god for peace where peace is needed i pray dear god that they will feel loved uh, those people that are here that, that, that they, they don't even know they haven't felt loved in so long god i ask that you would wrap your arms around them pray, dear God, for those who feel so alone that they have maybe even considered ending their own life, God, that they would realize that there is greatness within them. You designed them and created them for greatness. Thank you, Jesus, for this word today. I pray, dear God, as we go into this week, that your voice would speak, that your spirit would be here, that would be with us. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.
Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? with the sinners like he accepted them he loved us so he accepted me and he loves me which is completely true but he also called them to change he called them to a new place to be changed to be made new in him to not stay in those dead places anymore so just as we go out through the week like Brandon was saying morning the past of who we were it's we can leave it there because God has called us to a new place that's full of life and love and true acceptance of who he who he designed us to be so I just want to encourage all of you this week I hope you all have a wonderful week don't forget about uh, summer night starting on June 8th and I hope you all uh, come and we see you then Uh, have a great week and I love you all